0: Finding Purpose, The Song of My Life, Era 2, Episode 69, Getting Integrated, and Building Blocks. Welcome back, everyone. Maybe you saw the photos of the famous open door to our house that I posted this week. At that time, we were known as the Truderingers by the steady stream of visitors who came to our part of town. They either wanted to check us out or to participate in the Bible studies. The American guy we met, Terry, started coming weekly to talk with Peter and Gregor. Terry was good at networking and already knew quite a few Americans from different ministries in Germany. It was exciting to hear that we were not the only ones who had a burden for the German people and the goal to spread out in Europe. Terry told stories of traveling to countries behind the Iron Curtain. That name gives you the impression that the borders could not be penetrated. But that wasn’t completely true. Even Thomas and I traveled with our children through the communist territory of East Germany by train or by car. But there was a Dutch man named Brother Andrew who did take on a dangerous task, that of taking Bibles to church groups in the Soviet countries, which was actually forbidden. Terry had gone with Americans from Munich to Poland, East Germany, and Budapest, also smuggling Bibles and encouraging the brethren there. No doubt the people got involved in this were motivated by sincere concern for the church. I think, though, some young people like to do it just for the sake of the adventure." But like Brother Andrew, they had many miraculous experiences of God protecting them. God, in answer to their prayers, blinded the eyes of the guards who searched their cars. Most likely, the KGB, the Russian Secret Service, followed them everywhere they went. Though this was our first time meeting someone who was actually connected to this mission, we were aware of the circumstances. We lived basically around the corner from these communist countries. This is what Thomas had written in a newsletter to our friends in Eureka shortly after we came to Germany. The vision that Christine and I had a year ago of sometime going to Germany is happening now, sooner than we ever thought. The vision we all have here in Nienburg is to enter into all parts of Europe, including the Iron Curtain countries. I believe that somehow that is going to happen sooner than we think. It almost scares me to think of what the future might be, but I just have to trust that he will prepare us for it. A few times I have seriously considered whether this kind of life is what I want, but then I think there's nowhere else to go. All life, all joy, all peace is in him and his ways. What I want to learn most now is to be able to do more than just endure. I want to really be thankful and to rejoice in and for all things. We look forward to hearing from you. We love you and praise Jesus that you are our family. Sincerely, your brethren in Germany. So some more contacts that Terry had were with Christians at the American Army base in Munich. He got involved with a Bible study group there and brought his new German friends to join in. Originally, another group in Munich had been instrumental in getting Terry and his wife to come from Kansas City. It was the YMCA. In German, it is called the Christian Organization for Young Men, Sey VJM, It was under the leadership of a man named Helmut Niklaus in Munich. Helmut was very ambitious in drawing leaders of many denominations together with the purpose of sharing the gospel on a larger scale. Then there was the man that Thomas and I had met at St. Boniface, Harald Schmidt. He also had become an influential pastor in this movement that was soon to be called Kreis zur Einheit, Circle of Unity. We found it fascinating learning about the other Americans like us who came to Munich as missionaries, and it didn't take long before Thomas would be drawn into these circles. Not only did he speak English, but he had been trained in the knowledge of the Bible in California. He was learning to be a good translator and, as a German, could relate to both cultures. This was only a small part of God's plan that was gradually developing for him. It's funny that our integration into the Christian scene in Munich began with Americans. A few of us made a visit on a Sunday morning to Harald Schmidt's church service. They met in a villa that housed another ministry called Teen Challenge that got started in Munich in 1973. It was encouraging to hear that they were similar to us in living communally. But their particular focus was to help people who wanted to get free of drug addiction. After the service was over, Peter made a date with Harold when he could visit us. When he arrived, the guys showed him around the house and told him about the second team that was coming soon. He seemed to be pleasantly surprised to see how nice the place was. Jackie and I were happy to have our first official visitor, and true to German tradition, we served coffee and cake for their meeting. After some small talk, Jackie and I left and let the men get on with their discussions. Harold told them that he was glad to see that we didn't look like a band of hippies. He said some churches in Munich had trouble recently with a group that had come to town and lived communally. They were called Children of God, And they had all kinds of strange philosophies and practices, including sharing partners. By the way, the man that had come to our farmhouse with similar ideas also had been a part of that group in the States. At our evening meeting that day, the men told the rest of us how their talk went with Harold. At first, they were surprised that he had lots of questions about our theology, and he specifically wanted to know what our plans were in establishing a church in Munich. His main fear was that we would be asking people from other churches to come and join us. That wouldn't have even crossed our minds, but there's a name for that. It's called stealing sheep, which seemed to be a common problem. Peter and Gregor did their best to explain to Harold what our motives and practical goals were. They told him that we had been sent out with the commission that Jesus gave to his disciples. Our plan of action would be going out on the streets preaching and taking the opportunity to share the gospel with anyone we might meet. Thomas gave him the example how he had been sharing his faith with the people he worked with. The purpose of our communal house was to offer a place to live for those who didn't have a home or family. Of course, this offer would be for people who seemed to show a sincere interest in becoming a Christian. The guys explained to Harold their experience in starting businesses and learning to be self-supporting. They told him how they had matured by learning to work. This was a big need among the youth who had dropped out of the cultural norm. Thomas also shared about how God used this aspect at Living Waters to completely transform him. Harold, being an older man, must have been a very patient guy to get into a discussion with our young men about theology. Gregor told him that we had learned foundational doctrine from Jim Durkin. I think the fact that Jim came from the same denomination as Harold made it easier for him to relate to us. The most important question he had was about the Bible itself. Gregor said that we believe the complete Bible is the inspired Word of God. It is the foundation for living both personally and in starting a church based on the New Testament teachings. He shared that our ministry had three main purposes. Number one, to preach the gospel and make disciples so that Jesus would be glorified. Number two to pursue unity with all who believe and follow Jesus. And number three, to be individually conformed to the image of Christ, to know him, to love him, and to serve him. We closed our family meeting that night by praying for Harold and the people we had met so far in Munich. We asked the Lord to give us wisdom in gaining their trust. This was the first time that the men had been questioned so seriously about their beliefs. It was a good lesson for all of us. We realized how important it is to know the scriptures and be able to defend our faith. That was to become a necessary building block for the future. None of us were aware at the time that the attack on the truth of God's word is so common. For our four families in the house, we were not only growing spiritually but also in number. We rejoiced with Alan and Ellie when their first baby was born in November, and added to that, Jackie was expecting their third child in January. Now that we had regular guests, it became obvious that we needed the central living and dining room area. Peter and Jackie also experienced that it was impractical having people meeting regularly in their apartment. Often their boys were playing or trying to sleep. So they packed up and moved to the basement where Tony and Jane had been. It wasn't as pretty as being on the ground floor overlooking the garden, but they would have more privacy for their family life. The main apartment with the kitchen became the community center for our meals, for our house meetings and visitors. Then I had the idea to set up a playroom there, which turned into doing kindergarten for our six children. Someone from the American base had given us little tables and a chalkboard, so we started calling it school. I would put Esther down for a nap and spend a couple of hours with the bigger kids doing crafts, singing, reading books, and playing games. I even got out my accordion for them a few times. As far as generating income for the house, Thomas and Alan were the first to find jobs. Peter and Gregor were still pursuing the leather business, but I don't remember if they went to the flea markets like they did in Nienburg. Alan got a job working for the U.S. military base in Munich, which was really a large place. They had their own community with a shopping center, schools, a university, a cinema, and a church. When I heard about it, I was reminded of the army base that I had worked at in West Berlin in 1971. Alan worked for a delivery service and enjoyed meeting other Americans since he had also lived for a time in the States. I can't remember what kind of job Thomas had, but it was for a German company. It might have had something to do with translating. The special part of that job was that the secretary and her Greek husband started visiting our Bible studies. When contacts like that with German people began, it meant we needed to have two meetings every week one in English and one in German, Later, that same couple gave their lives to Jesus and became our good friends. For Thomas and I. It was a new phase in our lives. Every morning, I would stand in the doorway with Naomi and kiss him goodbye. We would watch him as he headed down the street towards the S-Bahn station. When he came home around dinner time, he liked to tell about the people he preached the gospel to on the train. He would use the time to read his pocket New Testament, which often sparked questions from a passenger sitting next to him. Sometimes on his way home, he would stop at the phone booth and call his mother because we still didn't have a telephone in the house. He was looking forward to her visit that would be over the Christmas holidays. When Nadia arrived at the end of December, Thomas was there to meet her at the main station in downtown Munich. Then he drove with her on the S-Bahn to Trudering and showed her the way to our new house. When they came into the door, Naomi and I met them with Esther on my arm. It was fun to see how excited Naomi was and that she remembered her Omi from Berlin. We went upstairs to show her our apartment and take her to the room we had prepared for her that was on the same floor. Nadia was also excited, and the first thing she wanted to do was unpack all the goodies she had brought. Naomi had big eyes when she saw the bag of Christmas chocolates, including a large Nikolaus, which is the German equivalent of Santa Claus. She handed me a pretty candle, and for Thomas, she brought his favorite nougat chocolate the wrapped presents in her suitcase would come out later. Naomi took her into the bedroom she shared with Esther. There was Nadia's old closet full of little girls clothes now. It was so touching watching Omi sit on the bed, holding Esther and talking to Naomi. I was pretty impressed how well Naomi was doing using German words with her. I could see how much Nadia loved her two little granddaughters. I knew that her time with us would be an encouragement. Now that she lived alone in Berlin, her life had changed a lot. We had a few days to spend as a family. Nadia liked to go for walks, so we showed her around our neighborhood and the empty field we had found. Unfortunately, there were not any forests or nearby parks, but Esther liked to ride in the stroller and Naomi had her dolly to push around. After the girls were in bed for the evening, I made some tea, lit my new candle, and we sat in our room and talked. It was almost like the old days when the three of us were at living waters, drinking tea and talking about the things of God. Nadia always had lots of questions and enjoyed listening to Thomas explain things. For the family meals she joined us downstairs in our cosy dining room; we had decorated it with lots of plants and pictures on the walls. Nadia was a bit shy in the beginning, but she gradually got more confident in speaking English with our friends. She told us she wanted to "donate" to our Christmas dinner, which was a nice surprise. Thomas offered to take her in the car shopping, saying they just need a shopping list. So I discussed with Jackie, Linda, and Ellie what we should cook. Nadia loved doing the shopping, and we had fun preparing our own blend of an American-German-style meal. Linda and I made the table decorations with green branches from the garden and arranged them around some red candles. For our family celebration, Gregor and Thomas got out their guitars, I have a cute picture of Thomas with his guitar and the children dancing around in the living room. Most of us didn't know the Christmas hymns by heart, so we sang our favorite praise medleys. It was nice for Nadia that we finally knew a few German songs, too. We were all sad when the day came to say goodbye. Everyone enjoyed having a grandma with us for the holidays and gave her a big hug. Her favorite thing became saying to us, See you later! Before she went to the train station, we took our first group photos out in the garden in the snow. It was perfect that Nadia was there to take the pictures. I'm so glad we have a couple of photos of our beginnings in Munich. Thomas and I had no idea that in a few months everything would change. That is another story. In closing today, when I was looking up information about Brother Andrew's ministry, I was struck by a scripture that he quotes in his book called God Smuggler. He writes that after seeing firsthand the struggles of the Christians in Poland, he asked the Lord, what can I do? He felt led to read Revelations chapter 3, verse 2. It is written to the church in Sardis, Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. This also sounds like a warning to the churches today. He took that as his commission to load up his Volkswagen Bug with Bibles and deliver them to the Christians who were lonely and in great need. He wrote this, the real calling is not a certain place or career, but to everyday obedience. And that call is extended to every Christian, not just a select few. The Bible is full of ordinary people who went to impossible places and did wondrous things simply because they decided to follow Jesus. It's great to be encouraged by Brother Andrew's example and the miracles he experienced, but I think the greatest miracle of all is when a person gets saved out of the darkness into God's marvelous light. I am reminded of the miraculous saving grace that took place, particularly in my husband's life. I should have been amazed every single day watching Thomas go off to work on the Esbon. That hippie guy I had met five years before in Berlin was not the same anymore, and neither was I. I guess that is what gave us the motivation to tell people that Jesus is alive. This truth gave us the courage we needed to face all kinds of challenges in those early years in Munich. The quote from Brother Andrew pretty much sums up what Thomas and I believed and experienced. It's also a good reminder for today to continue to be watchful and to share our faith with those God brings into our lives. Bye for now. God bless you and your families. P.S. Hopefully for next week, I will have a video interview ready with a friend of mine here in Munich. We met in Munich in 1975. Bye for now.